Hello listeners, uh, this is Romeo, your host. It's been a while since we published an episode. After New Year's Eve, things got unexpectedly busy. I started my graduate classes at University of Dayton, and if you follow me high on Twitter, you'll know that he's now in New York working for DigitalOcean. He started there in March, and he's just now settling in his apartment, which apparently are hard to find in New York. Uh, myself, I am not taking summer classes, which should allow us to bring in more regular programming, so stay tuned for that. Meanwhile, here's a conversation that we had late last year where we discussed how to go about starting coding from scratch. Enjoy, and as always, thanks for listening. to another episode of Two Black Nerds. My name is Romeo Kuihangana. I don't know the other mic is. Isihai Akachuku. Welcome back, y'all. We've missed y'all. Um, so yeah, getting started. What's up with you, Romeo? What's good? Uh, nothing much. Um, very, very soon I'm going to finish, uh, take my vacations for the end of the year. So starting, I'm going to yeah, have about December a... December Yeah, December 18th. No longer going to work. So I'm going to be like out for a good uh how many days is that 13 days until the next year well not 13 yeah if you add the other year it's going to be pretty like 15 days of not working it's going to be pretty amazing it's going to be glorious yeah i'm looking forward to that as well december 18th is my last day of work for uh 2015 um where are you like plans you're going back to wait no you're already in i'm already in so. Dane, right yeah. <laughs> that's the amazing part don't question yeah but that's what's up. Yeah, I'm excited to see you and uh, Trey and the others in Chicago for New Year's, man. Yeah, no, for sure. What are you doing? What are you doing for break besides uh, uh, the New hmm. NYE plans? Oh, uh, so for the break um, or vacation, I'm going back to Myrtle Beach for five days from like the 22nd to the 27th. Mm-hmm. From like the 18th to the 22nd, I'm really just chilling, like cleaning up the apartment, packing. Probably do some like end of the year like closet clean out, and that's then like I'm gonna be back. Um, in town on the 27th and then I'll probably like I'm just gonna chill for like the 28th and I think we're meeting um, the 28th and the 29th and then we meet up in Chicago on the 30th yep. so we meet up in Chicago on the 30th yeah that sounds like fun man you know yeah I'm looking forward to it I'm also gonna be doing a lot of like consulting work over this like uh, vacation so I'm not gonna be doing work work but I'll be doing like some freelance consulting work That's not get bad. some uh Money for a nice vacation next year, yeah. Need some extra moolah. Yeah, on the me on the other hand, I'm gonna be doing none of that. None of this getting moolah stuff. It's more gonna be end of year reflections. Um trying yeah. to wrap up what I started last year, but that uh, should be interesting. Other than yeah. that, I'm already home, so it's just like visit the fam, clean up the usual. Yeah, I'm gonna try and get more deeply into this uh like Ebo grammar book that I got. Uh I bought it to start you know, actually taking learning Ebo seriously mm-hmm. and to like read up on it, actually like read it from like cover to cover and start speaking to my parents more in Ebo so I can see if I can become fluent in the uh, years two or over the next few years. Dude, why are you taking a whole two years to do that? You can do that in six I, months, man. What are you talking about? Okay, see, some of us don't speak three languages. So no, but languages like are... you're gonna spread it out for that long just because you're not, you're not willing to focus like a whole. Six oh no! Months oh to no! It. Don't, get, don't get me wrong. I'm just I don't know how long it'll take. I just thought it'll take long to like master a language like that. 
Give it six months, and then you'll see how far you come. All right, I'll do that. Yeah, I'm going to tell my parents, um, just only Ebo, and be patient with me. Don't lose your patience, because um, just bear with me. Yeah. Or they can so be upset, got... so you can get your ad. You can essentially start speaking, learning faster, and doing more and more of it. That's yeah, the other way exactly. Look at it. Because they're always like, "Oh, whenever you have grandchildren, we're going to teach them Ebo." But I'm just like, "Why?" So again, like, talk crap about us behind our back, yep. like you know, whenever we can't understand. So that'll be interesting. Yeah. But yeah. So Romeo, how about you introduce the topic du jour? Topic du jour, um, we had recorded a pretty good episode last week, however, due to technical so <laughs> technical difficulties uh, on my end, mainly, uh, we lost the recording. So, but nevertheless, we thought that it was a very important topic, so we decided to uh, take another crack at it. And really what we're going to talk about is coding and how to go about learning how to code assuming you have no no technical background and no uh, computer science background uh, at all. So you're starting literally from scratch and essentially it's like teaching a toddler, not necessarily teaching a toddler, but like so, what would we do if we had never taken technical classes that introduced us to computer science? What would we go about? How would, how would we go about it knowing what we know now? Mm-hmm. Sure. And I guess like the the main thing that um, we really stress is like that became a little bit apparent was uh, when a common friend of ours uh, texted Ihai and I and asked, hey, uh, I'm really interested in um, learning how to code. Uh, what should I do? And at that point, one of the things that I mentioned was like, well, it really depends on what do you really want to do about coding, right? Like, the first step is really deciding, like, why is it I'm trying to learn how to code? Or what is it I'm trying to code? Because since coding is, like, it's a lot of different things, and knowing and understanding a scope really helps it define where you go. Because, as we discussed, it's just that there's a difference between, like, a web application or plain old mobile applications. And I guess sure. that's like a distinction that we're going to, that's the first distinction that we're going to um, talk about, right? Like the different types of applications, applications you, can you can build, right? Yeah. So I guess I can um, help start off that conversation. So when it comes to development, right, or programming, there's a lot of different types of applications you can build. Even um, you can build web apps, or websites, or you can build mobile applications. But to go into more detail on web like applications or websites you can build, you can either have static sites. So think of those as like your uh, static sites, just plain old HTML, CSS, and JavaScript with no database um, or nowhere storing like you know logging credentials or anything like that. And then you have dynamic web apps that have a backend that normally have a database of sorts. So think of this as like Ruby on Rails, or even something, or even like I guess a really common example would be WordPress, because you have a WordPress database, and it's a dynamic site where you can log in and upload content. And now, granted, the overlap between dynamic and static web apps, you're always going to have the HTML there, you're always going to have the CSS there, and more than likely, well, probably like 99% of the time, you're always going to have that JavaScript there, right? Mm -hmm. 
but you won't um, always need to know how to do the back end development side of things. Like if you wanted to build a static website, now um, we'll get um, come back to that. Well, actually, you want so to keep like, on talking about this before talking about mobile. So like an over an oversimplification of what Ihai just explained is just like depending on what you want to build is like do you want to build like an app that people will go visit and read like either a blog or some sort of uh, a plain I wouldn't say BuzzFeed. Like would, well, BuzzFeed has BuzzFeed is actually a good example too because they use like a custom like backend. It's not like WordPress. I know, but I'm I'm just trying to figure out like what would be a good example of a static website. A good example of a static website. Um, dang man, that's really hard to like say. No, I don't most know. people would time... know. So like for example, so I know that so behind personal website is it's static, it's static, right? So essentially, yeah. like the content on there is like modified once. Uh, most of the time, and there's not a lot of interaction you can have with it. I was trying to, because even New York Times is not a static site; it just it dynamically updates, right? Yeah. But think of a static site. But actually, here, put it this way. Put it this mm. way. I think I um, a good way of like explaining it. So, so let's start, like let's uh, move away from thinking about it as static versus dynamic. But let's say if you want to just build out like the actual UI and not have to worry about the database side things. So let's say you do want to build like the user interface for like the New York Times, then all you have to worry about is HTML, CSS, and JavaScript really, or maybe not even the JavaScript, maybe just the HTML and the CSS for like styling it and adding like maybe a little bit of JavaScript for adding like animations or something of the sort to the web page. Yeah. Cause you got UI developers that do that type of work, but they don't know anything about like the back end, really. Or back in development. Yeah, and I guess like the the point I was trying to make is like the, a static website is just like something that you build and nothing much changes. Oh, here's a great. Idea. So for example, if you go to one of those website builders, right? And you have like a landing page. No, the website builders. Like if you go, for example, if you go to a Squarespace, what it, that enables you to do typically just enables you to build a static website. Mm-hmm. Right. Granted, some people like put different hooks onto it to make it dynamic yeah most likely and squarespace but wouldn't the act of squarespace itself be the dynamic portion of it squarespace as a service is the yeah. dynamic but what they provide yeah, to okay, you as you. a customer what i can build using squarespace is a dynamic website so something i go to scroll through look at it and not a lot of things are going to have are occurring. Are occurring i can yeah. click on links to go to different pages but on those pages there's not a there's not a lot of uh dependencies yeah on it right it's like if you come back to the page like in a day or two it's most likely going to be the same thing the same thing unless it's somebody that's like an active blogger or something of the sort yeah but even then it's right. still you can still consider that static from your point of view right for sure yeah so then what could be considered a dynamic website like my favorite example is youtube because like you go on YouTube and things change depending on what you do. There's a search box that goes and does stuff that pulls information from a database to say, hey, this person is looking for uh, this type of information while the other one is looking for a music video. The other one is looking for a lecture, right? Mm-hmm. That type of uh, parsing, that type of uh, intelligence makes a website dynamic. So to that end, you can say that the New York Times is also a very dynamic website because it serves you, the user, something that 
you want by computing a lot of information that is hosted elsewhere. Mm-hmm. I don't know if we made it justice. I feel like last week I, yeah, there was I don't like know. a solid example I, that I forgot Dude, about. well, we got... I remember because we started drawing analogies between like the file cabinet and like we're talking about databases and work like that, right? We're talking because I think really we started off talking about mobile applications. Yeah. And when we started talking about mobile applications, it started talking about APIs or like, you know, back end, like having to build out API services for your mobile applications yeah. that need to store information and stuff like that. I guess, I guess one of uh, a, a good way to just like, I guess one of the, the way I think about uh, static website versus dynamic website uh, when it comes to from a programmer's point of view static website is just like styling uh, what I see and how it looks right which is UI developer what you are saying yeah right and the back end oh there you go that's the analogy um, so a, a really easy analogy to understand like front end versus back end is to look at, at a kitchen right then the front end is the kitchen sink that you see, you see the surface, yeah. you see uh, the way it interacts. You can like open the open the water, close the water. However, the back end is all the plumbing and everything that happens behind the scene that um, you don't see. And that's that's a good yeah, analogy. Yeah, that's what just... that was the analogy you had last week. Yeah. So that's a really good way to just distinguish between um, those two. Yep. And it's not like saying, like, it's, they're not mutually exclusive, right? Um, like, you can do both. Um, we call that full-stack developers. But for the purpose of learning, I think it's good to start off, like, when it comes to starting off learning how to do web apps yeah. um, or, like, website development, you want to start off with the front-end work, like, the HTML and the CSS and the JavaScript, because those are kind of, like, the fundamentals for building websites or web apps yeah and the also the good thing about html css and javascript when you're learning them uh you have a really rapid feedback rate that is you can physically see on the screen what you're changing like yeah it's very like very distinct when you change text uh when you change the animation or something so you can directly see that uh on the screen for sure so that typically helps uh in the learning process of it yeah, and um, really good resource for like getting up to speed and started with um, front end development is Code Academy. Yeah. They have a good web design track, and they also they think they have like back end tracks as well. But their web design course is really really good, and it takes you from like square one to like building. Um, what did they have them build? It was like Airbnb or some website, yeah. other um, web app that they're um, trying to have the users replicate. And I think what's good about that is that since it like walks you through everything and goes in debt, it's a really good resource for learning what's going on. And like um, you can see in real time, like Romeo was saying, the feedback yeah. in their web browser or their web editor. You can see what your changes to your HTML, CSS, and JavaScript are doing. And I think like even as a working professional, I even sometimes find myself going back to Codecademy and working through some of their web design examples of courses just because it's a good refresher and really is good at like explaining things and keeping you up to speed or at least um yeah comfortable with the language yeah, it's, so it's 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 a very good it it's a very good starting it's a very good starting place for sure uh when it comes to that but that mm -hmm. 
But so most of those are typically when you want to learn um, web applications, right? So if, so coming back a little bit, backtracking a little bit of our conversation, so coming back onto the scope of things, like if what you want to learn in the first place is like, or you want to make uh, an application, you want to make something that will allow uh, people to go to a website and that website will do things that you will program it to do, then web application is definitely uh, the track that you want to follow. It's just like following things mm -hmm. regarding web applications and learning the different languages associated with that. And so that's just like a place to get you started, uh, a way to get you started. And Code Academy is a pretty good resource, and there are plenty, plenty of others. But from a minimum standpoint, it's like, once you go through Code Academy, you're probably going to be introduced to a lot of other, a lot of other examples of different learning resources that you can pull through. Um, definitely, definitely. But although Code Academy is one of the free options out there that um, Ihain and I, Ihain and I have used, um, if you're looking more for like paid options, say, hey, I want to go and pay someone to. Uh, help me learn uh, a buddy of mine I had recommended Udacity uh, to them and so far they've they've stood by it um, and they say that they've gotten good results and good feedback and um, that they're learning pretty well so if you want the extra incentive of uh, seeing your money like using money as a way of as an incentive um, to learn if you're not necessarily like one of those really self-motivated guy and you want someone to push you through and review your code as you go Udacity is a pretty good option that I personally that I know someone has used and yeah and and if they like actually are like mad serious about it you know um, we can't forget coding boot camps between like Iron Yard, General Assembly uh, Hack Reactor um, yeah there's a lot there's a plethora of them out there yeah. and I mean, your mileage may vary. I've heard good things about some programs in some cities, but then the same program in a different city may not have the same quality, right? But at the same time, um, I think what's good about these ones is that some of them give their students the options of like, oh, don't pay a dime in like tuition until you're placed into a job after graduating. Uh -huh. And that's really nice. So you can get these skills. And then if you can find those good programs that also have like that clause with it, then you know that you can go through there and once you get a job, then that's whenever you can start paying them back. But it's still like a good choice to like, if you're like um, serious about like, not even serious, but if you're like thinking about doing an entire like career switch or something of yeah. the sort, that may even be better to like have that accelerated 12 week boot camp, And then rather than like trying to learn your free time after work, it all depends, like, what your end goals are. Because it, it, it may get you to your goal faster than if you were self-learning anyways. Yeah. So if, you, if your intent... So to just, like, quickly summarize, like, the last um, few minutes that we've been talking about. So if your intent is solely to just get the basics and just learn about it and just do something and, you know, just experience what it is that most coders do, you can just mm -hmm. go the free option... There's really no time lost but the time you invested in it, right? Mm -hmm. We can use Code Academy as a means uh, to learn about web application in the beginning, right? 
And if you if you're someone who has a nine to five and you don't have you don't want to quit to go, you don't have the no you don't want to quit, but you still want to learn. And the free option is not something for you. You can go to some of these more paid option, right? Like Udacity, and there are plenty of others. I think Treehouse is one of them. And can go to mm-hmm. one of these paid options that will provide you like extra support along with um, the learning material that you will need to learn how to code, right? For sure. But then if you have lots of free time on your hand or you're willing to quit whatever you're doing and invest the time to do the full career switch and become fully invested, then coding boot camps are another option for you. For sure. Cool. So I think it's been a good discussion on the web apps and like learn how to... go on. Oh, learn how to do uh, web um, building out web apps or websites. So I actually think that would, it'll be a good time to switch the conversation to talking about mobile apps and mobile development. Cause a lot of people come and say like, oh, hey, I have this app idea. And, you know, if it's not a web app, a lot of times you're like, oh, I have this uh, iPhone app idea. A-A-E. And A-A-E. I yeah, I really have a great app. I really have a great app. I just I just need a developer. You you want to sign me, uh, my NDA first because it's, it's a really good idea. Yeah, <laughs> yeah but, but I can't tell you it until you sign this NDA. <laughs> yeah, I definitely have heard that one one too many times. Uh, and then the next one is, oh, so yeah, here are my rates. Oh, no, this wouldn't be free. But I mean, like, I wouldn't be able to pay you, but I'll give you, like, mad equity in the company <laughs> or whatever. It doesn't yeah. pay bills, son. Like, <laughs> but anyways... But I think when it comes to mobile app development, a lot of people don't realize, they think that if you write a mobile app, you only have to write it once, right? I mean, that's, I mean, that may be the case if you use something like Cordova, PhoneGap, um, what is the other one called? Ionic? Yeah. But when it comes to building iOS applications, it used to be that you had to learn Objective-C um, to build iOS applications, but now it's moving towards um, Swift. There's still, I think there's still some things in Objective C that are still have to be done in Objective C, mm-hmm. or better to do in Objective C that you can then like bridge with Swift. But for now, I think like for most beginners, it's good to learn Swift if you're planning on building iOS applications. Um, but also, it's really limited. Like whenever it comes to building um, iOS applications you have to take in consideration some other necessities, right? Because even though you're going to be doing Swift or programming in Swift, it also requires a MacBook. In order to compile. Yeah, in order for you to compile um, your application and upload to the App Store and even just do development in Xcode. So that's something you also need to take into consideration as well. Now, on the other hand, whenever you're doing Android applications, you have to learn Java. Yeah. And, um, and... Android has, I guess, a lower barrier to entry in the sense that you can use any device, like whether it's um, or any operating system between Windows, OS X, Linux, and still be okay and still build out your applications. And it also comes with like an emulator. So I mean, and uh, Xcode comes with an emulator for iPhones yeah. as well. So you don't really have to like need a physical device to actually test. Although for testing, yeah, even it might though be, it might be useful. it really is crucial. Yeah, especially for if you're using like camera or GPS or other like um, pieces of hardware in the phone, it becomes pretty critical. And yeah, 
I personally got off um, or got started with yeah building. Well, you started with uh, Android applications, right? Yeah, yeah. I actually started like I got I ran into like my whole frenzy of building apps with, or like building side projects by doing Android application development, and it was pretty cool. Like, I mean, I've never done I've never programmed in Java before. I had taken, I just learned C++ oh, from Fundamentals yeah. 2, and they're so similar. Actually, Java's way easier because it does a lot of hand-holding for you. Yeah, I mean, in they're both uh, object-oriented language. Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. C++, you have way more control, and that's a blessing and a curse. But, yeah, learning uh, Java was, I mean, it was, it was different, but it wasn't too bad. And... Android development is actually, I mean, I personally like it because you have more freedom in the sense that it kind of reminds me of web development, to be honest. Because mm, so? you drag these elements. Because first off, the, with their layouts, it's all XML. So there's a relationship between XML and HTML, right? It kind of reminds me of, like, you know, just building out websites with various divs. Oh, okay, yeah. Secondly, yeah. And you assign every single, like, you can assign every single one of these XML tags an ID. And so programmatically, you go into the code and, like, for f- wiring up something to a button, like, let's say you have a button with ID of, like, uh, button one, you just go into the code and say, oh, uh, button, button one equals view dot find by ID uh, button one. And then you can say button dot on click do, or no, button dot add on click listener do this and then it's like a function and that's pretty programmatic like and easy now whenever i started learning ios development though when it comes to like all these examples online use storyboards and what's happening with storyboards is that rather than like having that freedom to like find um, these buttons by id or whatever you like drag and drop elements in like um the gui and then what you do is like you hold control like you would like click the button, hold control, and then you drag, um, click and drag like this um, line from the um, UI editor to the like main file for your iOS program. And then it magically inserts all that logic like in there. Oh, it's kind of gross. And that's what I was trying to learn iOS development. I just got frustrated with it because I was just like, this is not fun to me. So and granted, you can do the same way. Like you can do the Android way that I do. Like find views by ID in Xcode. But I just haven't, or even like with iOS. But I haven't figured out how because there's not really that many resources online about doing it that way. You okay. know, by a lot of people just use storyboards. Yeah, so storyboards is just like, uh, what's the, what's the, so storyboard. You essentially just let. Are you linking? the ui to an action or are you because i'm just confused because i haven't oh, seen it i mean are you taking the ui and associating to a piece of code or are you taking a piece of ui and associating for another piece of ui you can do both of those things right oh but you have to like it doesn't give you all the code like it'll just insert like a scaffold for you that you can then go in and add in like the various logic but yeah, I really don't like it. It's kind of like hand wavy magic. It's like hand holding a little bit too much hand holding, right? It's kind of like uh, one of those animal leash backpacks yeah. <laughs> that you see, very, you know, just hold your kid's hand. But yeah, <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. I guess we we got we got we went on a little bit of a deep end here. I guess I'll, yeah, sorry I'll, I'll start that. looking into that. That just a, that just sounds odd. Yeah, man, for real. You click but, to eh. It ain't my vibe. But in terms of learning iOS development, right? So, I think really it's different with learning mobile development because of course if you're learning web development, it's easy to find all these resources on the web. Like that's the reason why Code Academy is so good. You can like learn web development in your browser. Yeah. Right. To see it in real time. What's going on? I mean, on. the one that with, with lowest mobile... lowest barrier of entry for sure. Um, at, at least in terms of like approachability, I would say it would be web development, right? I actually think mobile, maybe personally really like even so if if you're assuming that i've never coded you've never coded in your life you've never seen object-oriented development ever and you throw me into the throes of java oh fam i would i would throw them into java before javascript in a heartbeat because javascript does some wonky stuff good point good point but isn't there like an option to make uh javascript more like uh, JavaScript uh, strict, and then that behaves more like. Uh... Trust me, it's still like there's a little there's a lot of stuff going on with web development, right? Because at the web layer, you have to worry about you have to worry about the HTML, the CSS, and the JavaScript, right? In Android development, you can just tweak all that stuff using the GUI, like between like the font size, the mm-hmm. layout. And you can still see how the layout would look in real time as well in the editor. Yeah. And it won't be as, um, I think it's more approachable in that sense. And I think it's also a bit easier to understand than web stuff because you can just build, I think it's easy I think it's easier to build out these smaller apps like, oh, hey, build out a counter application using, uh, you know, Java. Yeah. And I, you can do the same with JavaScript, but I don't know. I just think like, with mobile apps is a lower barrier to entry because it's not there's not as many moving parts for them to worry about. That's true. I mean, I think that's something we noted uh, in our first discussion was that if you're going web development, you're essentially learning three different languages, right? Because you're learning yeah. HTML, CSS, and JavaScript all concurrently mm-hmm. at the same time because HTML is fairly... it's fairly easy to read, but then you also have to deal with CSS and all its different notation. Then yep. you have to go in JavaScript and deal with that. However, if you go to Android or yep. iOS, the only thing you have to worry about is one language, which is yeah. Java for Android and Swift or Objective-C if you choose to go old school on your iOS device. So in a certain sense, yeah. it, if you really can, is would be technically by the numbers, it is easier to go to start with uh, mobile development. Even though mm-hmm. like the whole internet is full with web development, because that seems to be the easier thing um, to teach yeah. and learn directly. Well, is it easy? Not to say easy to learn, but is the direct feedback is easier to teach? I don't know. Why do you think there's so much uh, web development stuff? online i think it's um why why i think there's so much web development like web app or like courses mm-hmm. and all that online um because i think yeah that's a good question i think it's just because um 
it's probably easier to get more people on board with that, right? I mean, how? I I mean, I'm not sure. I don't see. That's a good question because, like, actually, a lot of my friends are mobile developers. They're always in demand. Like iOS and Android developers are in demand, and I'd argue that Android developers may be more in demand than uh, like a good Android developers are higher in demand than like good iOS developers. Or my bad, are scarcer than good iOS developers. Yeah, I mean, it just—I'm just having a little bit of a hard time shaking. I guess my my only the uh, what should I call it? The one thing that I, I could say, right? The assumption would be because web, like it, you really in order to code for the web, you just there's no applications that you really need to install. You just need a no, editor, a yeah, text editor and a browser and you're set at least to begin with uh, when it comes to web development. And maybe that's why there's yeah. so many. Or maybe everyone wants to make a website or everybody's I guess trying so. to teach everybody how to make a website. I don't know. Yeah. But, I mean, in my in my opinion, I would think, I haven't personally tried it. I Well, I think it's also, well, sorry, well, um, before we get off of that, I just wanted to say, like, when building websites, I think it's more enticing to be like, hey, make your own website because everybody wants to make it a website at some point in time. Like, you know, seems like, or, the cool kids, was, like all the cool kids tweaking, like, you know, the CSS of your Neopets site or tweaking the CSS of your MySpace site. I think site. it's the MySpace like, thing. Like, that's like real talk. Like, I'm being serious. Everybody's like, man, I need a new website or whatever. Like, everybody wants to build their own website. Like, you know, I think it's enticing to learn how to build websites because you can build your own website and that's a part of your personal brand. What are you going to say building like an Android application? Oh, oh yo, fam, you want to see my personal site? Like, go download my app on the App Store. Like, nah. Oh, okay. I think that's I made, a cal- yeah. I made a calculator app. Check it out on my on my phone. Yeah. Yay. Yeah. But, you know, I think like you can have that mark on the web. And you can have like creative freedom over that when you do web development. And that's what's enticing to learn about it. Because maybe you have something to show for it. Therefore, it's it's it attracts more people. Like when you're done, you have something that is publicly visible. Yeah. And you can essentially say. I and people that. can start interacting with it immediately. They don't have to wait for it to download or anything, you know. Good point. I think also when it comes to Android, um, building like, well, not only Android, even iOS applications, what gets really intimidating is, I mean, it's easy to build, not easy, I need to stop using the word easy, because to me, it may be easy, but I know to people starting out, yeah, to me, it may be simple, but like to others that are just starting out, it's probably like overwhelming, because I know I was in y'all's shoes once. Um, It Like, it can be, you can build simple applications like a calculator, like, you know, to say, okay, one plus one, add these two numbers together. But then once you start getting into these more complex Android applications, like, let's take, for example, uh, like a Facebook mobile app or a Twitter's mobile app, that's when you have to start hitting these external API services and then parsing that response to display on the front end of your Android application. Yeah. You know? And that's where things get more complex. But we didn't really even talk about, like, resources for learning how to do both iOS and Android development. I mean, but I, I don't know. I don't know any I do. resources for, I do. Uh, for learning Android, but which ones have you used? So I haven't used this one personally for Android. Well, actually, whenever I was learning Android, there's a site called Bugella that was a freaking lifesaver. I would always go and look at this site. I'd always Google Bugella query. And some, like, lo and behold, every time something would pop up related to what I needed to do. But another one of my buddies has also hyped up the Big Nerd Ranch, 
uh, Android book for learning how to code. Mm-hmm. So that's really so I haven't personally used it, but he swears by it. He's been reading it. He's like, yo, I feel like a boss. I'm about to become the best Android developer yeah. that, <laughs> that um, ever existed. But then on the iOS side of things, I have a book that I started reading before I said iOS development is not my thing. Wait, <laughs> it's called Design Code and Design and Code by uh, Mengto. Mm-hmm. Then website is designcode.io. And what this, what the cool thing about this book is, is it teaches you not only how to build Android, oh my bad, sorry, iOS applications, but it teaches you also how to design them. So he structures his lessons in a way of building out static UI mocks for iOS applications in Sketch first. And then you take those assets from Sketch into Xcode, and then you start using those assets to prototype your applications um, your um, Android, my bad, iOS application. So more, of, uh, more of like a life cycle, kind of like oh, from sketch to, from ideation to finished product kind of thing. Yeah, and I think that book, yeah, I think that book is really clutch in the sense that you get to refine your design thinking skills in addition to your development skills. So you're leveling up both at the same time. Yeah. So I highly recommend that book as well. I really, I've also recommended that book to people like Taylor who are developers like you know taylor's been developing ios applications for years True. and like he started learning ios whenever i started learning android and that's why we would always collaborate together but like even him like after he started a little bit after he started working he just picked up that book to go through it because he said that he saw benefits from reading the book and seeing how he could improve the uis and just the overall aesthetics and UX of his iOS applications that he was creating or is creating. Absolutely. I mean, that's one of the, it's, um, UI and UX is a whole different conversation in itself um, that we probably need to have people more intelligent than us talk about in this sense. I mean, hey, I, I interviewed a designer, dude, so we good. Yeah, but we haven't published it yet, so we we'll have to. That's true. <laughs> Uh, keep that in mind. Um, so hopefully, hopefully we're gonna have other people kind of comment on that, on the on that aspect of things. And I guess, like in short, just to like to summarize, whatever the last um, thirty twenty minutes that we, of the conversation, it's just a, so our recommendation as far as if you go for Android, right? It's pretty easy. You don't have to have a Mac. Well, you can have any computer you want. All the dev tools, mm-hmm. all the development tools are free. Uh, I think Android Studio now is the go-to for learning. Oh, dude, so yeah, Android Studio is at work. And then, but then also, if you need an emulator, look into Android just beefed up their like emulator, but also look into Jenny Motion because hmm. rather than running it. Rather than emulating it, it runs it in a virtual machine. Therefore, it's really fast. Hey. It's way faster. Oh, that's nice. It's yeah. essentially like genius. Yeah, that is actually that is genius. And then, if you're doing iOS, um, learn Swift or Objective C, but you have to have a Mac. And yeah, uh, a recommendation design is design code uh, for starting. And Treehouse is a really good iOS program oh, too. Yeah, a lot of people recommend Treehouse as well. I personally have never used it because you know I'm cheap and like, or I like learning free, the free way. But if you have the guap to drop, look into Treehouse. Yeah. I guess um, I one of the things. So 
we've talked about web apps, uh, Android apps, and iOS application. And I guess like, what about desktop applications? Come on, man. I'm trolling. I'm trolling. Well, I'm trolling. We, I'm trolling. We both know that's not going to happen anytime soon, right? I mean, we can talk about. But if you learn web development, like if you learn, uh, you know, that JavaScript, man. You can use JavaScript for building desktop applications. We touched on this last time we recorded because popcorn time. That's a used to. I mean, that's a JavaScript used to to exist. Yeah, well, it used to be like you know a JavaScript application. Uh, What else? I mean, I mean JavaScript's kind of taking. If you look at um, Chrome apps, right? If you're running, I I run a couple Chrome applications, and they actually came in really handy when I only had a Linux desktop because I was able to run. Uh, Sunrise Calendar, uh, you can run it, yeah. certainly. Wonderlist is also essentially uh, JavaScript in a web instance. So if if you yeah. have really good JavaScript chops, there is absolutely nothing stopping you from publishing a desktop app just using those yeah. technologies. So that that way you can also essentially kind of kill two birds with one stones when you do uh web apps right and i guess like one of the things that um that i wanted to mention was like let's say um oh we we need to get a shout out to scripting languages yo like Python? python um if you if you're just like at least for me i'm just going to speak from a personal experience Talk about that automation life. Uh, when when it, when you're at work and you have to do a lot of repetitive checking of the sort, it's really, really useful uh, to know how to essentially use Python to just parse out a couple text files, get some specific data that you need, and have those mm-hmm. rearranged in some way, shape, or form. And either one of those, those still essentially give you the necessary understanding of, like, what's really happening, um, the basics of, like, programming, right? Because if you look at it, yeah. most languages, at least most books, if you take, like, computer programming books, the first chapters always kind of run you through the same thing, which is uh, declaration of variable, variable. Uh, declaration of function, function and conditionals, conditionals and contr- uh, control flow, right? If loops, while loops, yeah. do while, um, for, for loops. loops. Yeah. I think those are the ones. Yeah. Yeah. You said if loops. <laughs> oh, if else statement. My bad. So yeah. Conditionals. conditionals yeah, if yeah. else statement, uh, for loops, do whiles, and those like. Sometimes recursion. Oh, that's like after those con- control flow. All depends on what language you learn. If it's functional, you don't get for you don't get a uh, for loops or do while loops. It's all recursion. Recursion. Yeah, man. Like Elixir, no for loops. Is that a language? Is that a framework? That's a language. It's functional. These people just popping languages everywhere. It's Lisp. Like it's like Lisp too. There's no for loops in Lisp either. What? It's all, it's all recursive. Yeah, man. That's why I've been reading these books because I can't, like, I don't always have to. There's some things that can only be solved with recursion. If you're starting out recursion, don't worry about that too much. Like, learn, le- yeah, really learn that, like, week five or six of your learning program. Or whenever you really whenever need it. Whenever you really need you know? it. Right? <laughs> it's just like, uh. 
whenever you start interviewing, you need, really don't need to start learning recursion until like you start getting to the interview process, right? Because they ask a lot of questions that can be solved with recursion, like at Google or Facebook. Well, do they still do that? Do they always do the same? Do they still do the same interview process? Because I, I randomly read yes. that they were switching up their interview process. Or was that just um, along the lines of the crazy... Brain, brain tweezer, the brain teasers. Brain tweezers. Yeah, they <laughs> took those out. Teasers. Brain teasers. Yeah, they took the brain teasers out. But whenever I interview, so what their, we're gonna their ask questions. you, we're gonna ask you a brain tweezer. <laughs> Bruh, yeah, you still need no recursion and all that. You still have the whiteboard interview, so yeah. unfortunately, yeah. But I mean, in preparing, prepping for an interview versus learning how to code—that's also like a whole separate topic. So let's not go. Yeah. But you're talking about your automation. Yeah, you're just talking yeah. about like Python, script, the value of scripting languages. And I learned Python after learning C and C++. And it was a lifesaver to me in the sense that I could do a lot of these um, complex, not even complex, I can do a lot of these. Uh, yeah, I can make these like pretty good scripts that automate repetitive tasks for me without having to write a lot of code or like having to compile it either, you know? Yeah, and like also the other good thing that we didn't mention is that um, Python is also has some pretty they're pretty useful um, libraries that you can use. Scientific, yep. Uh, and they really help you get the job. So like in data science, I know that people use either R or Python are two pretty common yeah. languages when it comes to um, data science. That's uh, the the big D, yeah. as they call it. Yeah. And uh, I'm going to give a shout out to VBA. I know a lot of people don't use Microsoft products out there, but VBA has more than one saved me more than hours of uh, this guy hours of work uh, at the office and made me a little bit more efficient. So if you if you use Microsoft Office a lot, at least Excel, learning a little bit of VBA won't hurt. Yeah, I've never used it, but it's okay. You don't use Microsoft Office a lot. Yeah, exactly. And I guess like one of one of the other shout outs that I wanted to make. Absolutely. And like if after this conversation, right, you think that coding is just great, but it's too complicated. It's just meh. It's not your thing. Um, I would definitely recommend uh, Paul Ford. What is code? That's uh, a it's a pretty lengthy article. It's like massive, uh, about thirty eight thousand yeah. words. I didn't even realize it was that long. Long read, super long read. However, uh, the guy really goes into de- in depth. and ex- explains like what code does. He goes down to like the gate level, so like microprocessor level, as to what exactly your code is doing, and he like explains mm-hmm. into like down to earth really good analogies and he also like explained the culture the culture around coding and all the different myths like the 10x code is it a 10x code or 10,000 10 10x the the mythical 10x coder actually he he might not be mythical he might exist somewhere out there nah Um, he or she he or she thank you gotta be pc down here man uh yeah (laughs) And so you also explain like sprints, types of languages, and stuff like that. It's, it's a very good read. And even if you like, you're trying to learn how to code. I would say read that first. And if you're 
not really into coding or you still want to know what is going on with code, still a really good article. We're going to link it in the show notes. Um, any other, anything else that you wanted to add? Nah, well, I guess before we uh, end this, if you want to learn scripting languages or like Python, did you already mention learn Python the hard way? Oh, no, we didn't. Um, so yeah, learn, learn Python the hard way is a really good resource for getting up to speed with the uh, Python and scripting languages. And really, Code I think Academy um, also has same, a pretty good uh, yeah program. So and I think like even same dude would like learn Python the hard way. I think he has like a learn C the hard yeah. way, learn Ruby the hard way. Lots of good resources in learn X the hard way. So just look for those. Uh, and that's all I got. So that's all. It's been another episode of Two Black Nerds. My name's Ihan Yakuchuku. And my name is Romeo Kuhangana. And any of the listeners out there, um, if you have any resources to recommend um, to any one of the coders out there that you've used and that you found pretty useful, uh, by all means, don't hesitate to contact us. Tweet at us. Uh, we're at Two Black Nerds. And the email is hello at twoblacknerds.com. My name is Romeo Kuangana at Romeo on Twitter. That's K-W-I-R-O-M-E-O. And you can find me at Kuchu. That's at K-W-U-C-H-U. Until next time.